What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, we're under the weather. It's cold and COVID and RSV season, and the pharmacy aisles feeling the squeeze. The med shortages with Dr. Scott Gottlieb. This shouldn't be depleted over the course of the season. You should start to see store shelves get restocked. And weather's got to the airlines, too. The points guy Brian Kelly has some tips to take the traveling edge off. If you're supposed to travel Friday, look at the forecast. Try to leave earlier or later even. The airlines are offering waivers so you can change free of charge. Plus, the two travelers the world is watching. Former FTX founder from a Bahamian prison and the Ukrainian president from a war zone. That's kind of a contrast, isn't it? Zelensky's coming and Sam bagman fried's coming. Those big stories, sports biz, and unpacking American job security. 39% of people are worried about a layoff in their household. It's Wednesday, December 21st. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. And uh, Andrew is on vacation this week, so we will check in with him next week. This broke last night. Uh, kind of interesting, surprising. Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky is going to come here, confirming plans to visit Washington today. In his first known trip outside his home uh, country since the war began, Zelensky tweeted at 1 a.m. Eastern, on my way to the U.S. to strengthen resilience and defense capabilities of Ukraine. In particular, POTUS and I will discuss cooperation between Ukraine and the USA. I will also have a speech at Congress, at Congress, joint Congress, joint session, and a number of bilateral meetings. A visit comes as lawmakers are expected to vote on a funding bill that includes nearly $45 billion in more Ukraine aid. A senior Biden administration uh, official told reporters that the president will announce a package of nearly $2 billion in security assistance for Ukraine, including a Patriot missile system. Russia has warned the U.S. against sending the missile uh, defense system uh, to Ukraine, and Putin yesterday said it's tough, tough on our troops, difficult situation, which just probably means that it's going to be a long time still. It's already been a long time. It's already been a long time. 300 days. days. 300 plus days at this point. Coming here, let you imagine what the security must be like for a trip like that. Yes. Um, On the way in. Which is why we don't know a lot of details about when and where, what happens with any of these things. Um, But you can imagine part of the timing being. A, being grateful for the money that's been given to this point, forty-five, an additional $45 billion that's been asked for in this most recent bill that they're pushing through. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what happens next year? Because there have been some Republicans who have not wanted to spend quite as much, and maybe he's here to shore up some of this. He's got to come here. He's got to get out of the country. And, you know, then he has to get back in. Then he's got to get back in. Yeah. And that, I would figure, you'd would have be to be. Tricky. Yeah. And you definitely wouldn't want to tell a lot of people how it's happening. No. I don't think. no. Yeah. 
I don't know. Just me, mm -hmm. I think I might stay. But that's just me. He can't. He's Actually, time man of the year. He's a hero. He's brave. He's all these I, things. I was going to say, you and I might have left a lot earlier. Yeah, we may, <laughs> we may have left a lot earlier. Yeah, but, he has uh, been an incredible show of just being I know. resolute. And, and you know, it, knowing that his life, which is so dear to him, there's a, a, a larger, larger cause. cause that he's willing, obviously, to lay it all on the line, for which our guys do and guys and gals do all the time. Yeah. which I also am well, in admire. awe of. Yeah, admire greatly. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried has agreed to extradition back to the United States to face charges related to the collapse of his crypto exchange. Those charges include fraud, money laundering, and campaign finance offenses. Officials in the Bahamas say that Bankman-Fried will fly to the United States today after the conclusion of a hearing that is scheduled for 11 a.m. Eastern time. That's... Yeah, one story to that. It's kind of a contrast, isn't it? Zelensky's coming and Sam Bagman-Fried's coming. Yeah. And for very different reasons <laughs> yeah. and under yeah. very different... Uh, different people. Yeah. Flip side of the... Uh, man, that is a yin and yang, is it not? That shows the United States takes all comers. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Even with mass job cuts at big tech firms like Amazon, Meta, and Twitter, a new CNBC survey finds a majority of U.S. workers are not concerned about layoffs. But there are growing worries about what they see as the biggest threat to their job security. Sharon Epperson is here. She's got more right now with those survey results. Sharon, good morning. Good morning, Becky. You know, with relatively low unemployment and recent wage growth, only about two out of five workers, 39 percent, are concerned they or someone in their household will be laid off or lose their job in the next few months. And the overwhelming majority, 74 percent, say their company is prepared to handle a recession if one occurs. That's according to an online poll of more than 10,000 workers conducted by Momentive for CNBC in the last week of November, early December. The survey also found workplace satisfaction is a key factor in whether employees believe their company can handle a recession. 86% of those who say their overall morale at their company is excellent say their company is prepared to handle a recession. That's more than double the number of those who say morale at their company is poor. Still, inflation concerns are growing. More than two-thirds of workers, 67 percent, say the biggest threat to their job is an economic downturn. And that's seven percentage points higher than in June 2019. That's the last time that CNBC polled workers on that particular question, Becky. All right, so 39 percent still sounds pretty high to me. 39 percent of people are worried about a layoff in their household? Yeah, and most and the majority are in tech. They're also a lot in advertising, in personal services. So those are the ones that are above average. So how confident are workers that they'll find a new job in this environment? Well, it's pretty surprising. They're very confident. About 80% of workers say that they think they'll find a new job in the next six months. More than a third say they could probably find one in the next month. But there's a big difference between what remote workers, fully remote workers, and those who are in person believe. Those who are fully remote, only about a quarter of them think that they'll be able to find a job with similar pay in the next six months if they lose their job. So does that mean the great resignation is over? Well, we have seen quitting numbers. About a third of people, more than a third actually, believe um, that they may quit their job. It's about 36% right now, but it was 
39% in May. So we may have seen the peak there and now it leveling off a, a bit. In the middle of the pandemic, in May of 2020, it was only 20%. Yeah, I mean, that'll so, tell you a lot. That jolts number is when the Fed watches very quickly too. Exactly. The, you know, jobs, job offers and layoff and turnovers. Yeah. Sharon, thank you. The chairman and CEO of United Wholesale Mortgage, Matt Ishbia, has reached a deal to buy a majority stake in the Phoenix Suns in the NBA team and the Phoenix Mercury WNBA team from embattled owner Robert Sarver. The price tag, $4 billion, and that would be the largest purchase in NBA history, topping the purchase of the Brooklyn Nets and Barclays Center for $3.3 billion in 2019 by Joe Tsai. And the deal will be subject to a vetting process by the NBA. The league's board of governors will also have to approve uh, the sale. Ishbia, in fact, played college basketball as a walk-on at Michigan State under uh, Coach Tom Izzo and was a member of the Spartans' uh, NCAA championship uh, team back in uh, 2000. Walk-on it. Uh, that's, I can't believe that still happens. Robert Sarver bought the Suns in 2004 uh, for $401 million. Do the math. The NBA suspended him in September for one year. Uh, and fined him $10 million after an investigation into alleged uh, racism and misogyny during uh, his tenure. A league investigation found he had engaged in, uh, in their words, workplace misconduct and organizational deficiencies. And shortly after that, Sarver said he would put the team uh, up for sale. It's a pretty good team to be able to buy. They're, you know, they're, not, they're not bad. They're pretty good. Good players. You never know with the NBA who's going to I'd love to own it. I mean, I remember the franchise when, you can get in the NBA, I think, is a potential. Remember when, uh, I mean, Bomber bought, and that's worth more. That well, seemed that, ridiculous. That's what I say. Like, it, sports is the one thing. Live sports, and now that you have gambling involved with all yeah. of it, too. Like, the Celtics, the those guys it. have made money. And Lazary and Wes sports, Edens. Sports, sports. And by the way, it's not just the NBA. We're going to talk right now yeah. about multiple media reports saying the NFL is finalizing a deal for the rights to its subscription-only package of games that's known as Sunday Ticket with Google's YouTube TV. That package has long been held by DirecTV, which had been paying $1.5 billion annually. It carries all the regional Sunday afternoon games that are produced by Fox and CBS that may not be available on local affiliates. The reports say that the deal will not include the rights to linear cable channels, NFL Network, and Red Zone, which the league had been shopping alongside the Sunday ticket rights. Terms of that deal aren't clear yet, but reports say the NFL had been seeking a buyer willing to pay between 2 to $3 billion a year. And uh, that's where all of these new entrants, the money that comes from streaming services, from the big tech companies, those are competitors that didn't exist before paying for this. That's what's driving up prices. Sports is uh, sports and news. We're in the sweet spot. We really are. Coming up on Squawk Pod, pharmacy aisles are depleted this cold and flu season. But if you're feeling under the weather, Dr. Scott Gottlieb says don't worry, the shortage should be temporary. This should start to abate. They had two low volume years, the manufacturers, so they made predictions about what the demand would be this year. Their predictions weren't sufficient to deal with not just the surge in demand, but also this early demand. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, 
The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. Up and Becky, here. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. A rise in respiratory illnesses and early start to the flu season, leading to a surge in demand for drugs to treat these illnesses. Now CVS and Walgreens are limiting the purchases on some fever-reducing and pain-relieving products. Joining us right now to talk all about it is Dr. Scott Gottlieb. Of course, he's the former FDA commissioner and a CNBC contributor who also serves on the boards of Illumina and Pfizer. And Scott, yesterday I went to Walgreens. There was not a single bottle of children's Tylenol there. Yeah, this should start to abate. This is a diverse and sophisticated supply chain. All the manufacturers are in the, mar- are in the market. So this isn't baby formula. It's not a function of the fact that certain manufacturers have been out of the market or there's been a dislocation in supply. What happened was... They had two low volume years, the manufacturers, so they made predictions about what the demand would be this year. Their predictions weren't sufficient to deal with not just the surge in demand, but also this early demand. So things were pulled forward. This should get, um, this shouldn't be depleted over the course of the season. You should start to see store shelves get restocked. And the other thing is with the OTC drugs, what we're seeing is spot shortages. So it's not a pervasive shortage across the whole country. There's spot shortages because there's some, a lot of advanced purchasing by consumers. Mm-hmm. I don't want to use the word hoarding, but there is well, some is of that hoarding. going on. Yeah. I, I mean, it's frustrating. That, that is less concerning, I think, than some of these prescription drugs that you can't get, um, some of the antibiotics in particular, because those you really need. If your kid gets an ear infection, if you've got strep throat, if there's something going on, um, what happened there? Right. So same thing. Uh, manufacturers didn't make accurate predictions about how much early demand there would be. So things like the oral suspension of amoxicillin, Tamiflu are in short supply right now. There are alternatives. So doctors are shifting, for example, from amoxicillin to cephalosporins or augmentin. Now you're starting to see some shortages of those drugs. Things like Tamiflu, there's directions for how you can compound from the capsules to get the liquid formulation. Also, a lot of states are now dipping into their stockpiles. I think that, too, is going to start to abate. There's a lot of sophisticated manufacturers in this supply chain. They've ramped up production. FDA has expedited some of the imports to get them through, and also states are burning down the stockpiles, as I mentioned. So I think this is going to start to abate, but you know, the manufacturers need to make different predictions for next year, what the demand is going to be, and also the early demand. So they, they actually made predictions that demand would go up, but they didn't expect it to go up this early in the season. And a lot of the oral suspensions don't have long shelf lives, so they're made early and uh. they're used up. I mean, I guess this is just a what happens when you have kids who aren't exposed to these things when they're two, three, four years old, and all of a sudden 
masks are off everywhere, people are living lives as normal, and these kids have to build up their immune systems. Well, look, there's a lot of things going around right now. We talk about COVID and flu and RSV, but we also have parainfluenza, we have adenoviruses, we have What's seasonal... Parainfluenza? It's a, it's a type of virus that people get, a respiratory pathogen in the wintertime. We don't track that. So there's probably a lot of that going around, a lot of adenovirus, a lot of seasonal coronaviruses. So people going to the doctor, probably some people getting prescriptions for antibiotics, maybe a lot that they don't need. I have no idea what's been through our house. I know it's not COVID, but there have been wave after wave of things that have been coming through. Right. We don't we, track we don't that. Track any of this yeah. Stuff. So we don't we don't. The only time you get uh, you might get a test for an adenovirus or, or parainfluenza is if you go into the hospital and you're very sick with a respiratory pathogen. They might do something what's called a biofire test, which is a, a very broad respiratory path panel. That'll pick these infections up, but most people don't get that unless they're very sick, and most people who are very sick probably have either COVID or flu. So we're not picking up. We don't know how much adenovirus there is right now, but it's a lot. If you have more of an upper respiratory type of infection, conjunctivitis, sore throat, that could be an adenovirus. Do you have a mask with you? I actually do, but I'm traveling today. I wear it in the airport still I, when You're I'm kidding. in crowded settings. Is that the new normal? Really? I mean, well, is it worth? So, so you're wearing these things, all right? And, and maybe you don't. Get, if you wear it for three months and it's you have that mask on for three months, is that worse than well, look, is I that worse <laughs> is that worse than getting whatever it is you get and dealing with it for three or four days? Is the new normal going to be we wear these masks all I don't the time? Think it's Scott? A new normal. Well, I think it would it's... be if you want to try to avoid. I know people who wear it now to try to avoid anything. I don't want a cold. I don't want a flu. I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want this. You just mentioned like 20 things. I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave my house. I wouldn't leave my house. <laughs> but look, I think, it's, I think some people, it is a new normal. I don't okay. think it's going to be the if new normal. If you've got immune everyone, problems or if you're on chemotherapy right. or, you or if you're get, 80 years old. Or you don't I, want to get COVID or flu from a crowded setting. I mean, okay. if, I, if I'm going to get sick, I want it to be from someone I know. But I will tell you, you know, COVID was an airborne pathogen. We didn't re recognize that early on. So a mask, especially a low-quality mask, is going to be less effective against an airborne pathogen. Adenovirus. Flu. These are droplet. These spread through droplet transmission. So the mask is going to be more effective. We've lived for through flu seasons for 40 years, Scott, without having masks. Because I, it, I, I don't want to walk around life. and see masks for the rest of my well, life. Why does that bother you? If it just does. Is that the news? Because you could go crazy. You could. You can overdo it, and so it's as a new normal. COVID causes us. I wear mine in the airport. You can't see people. You can't read the You can't hear what they're saying. Why do you care what somebody else is doing? Yeah. Do you want to be stopped in the airport anyway? They, people won't recognize you this way. I, I can't believe that that's where we're headed. <laughs> yeah, people were. I, I love it when people recognize me. Most people are nice. They, they usually agree with me. At least they tell me that. What about China? I think China's in trouble. Um, you know, the, two things. One, they, they haven't lifted all mitigation. They're still implementing some mitigation. I think that's going to slow the spread but not prevent it. So How many people very, are dying right now? We don't know. I mean, much more than what they're reporting. Much the other, more. The other thing with China is they have different strains circulating in different parts of that country. So in Beijing, it's BF7, which is very immunovasive. Other parts of the country have BQ1 and BA5. So, and, and also XBB, which is another immunovasive variant. So they have the potential to reinfect themselves. We've always had waves of infection with a single variant, by and large. China has multiple variants simultaneously. So they could have a situation where Beijing has BF7, the North has 
you know, BQ1, and then they swap places. I think what this could be mean? very protracted. What does this mean for the rest of us? Are we all getting new variants because of this? No, these variants are already here. I mean, if we're going to, if these are going to become so prevalent not a, here. It's not an incubator over there. For I don't think variant. so. I don't, I don't think that's the problem. And we have to make a decision. There's going to be a meeting of FDA after the new year, whether they're going to decide to formulate a new vaccine based on either XBB or BF7 to have it in our back pocket just in case. Because of China, though. Well, because it's already here. 5% of infections are Wuhan, XBB. Did it come from the Wuhan lab? I don't think we'll ever know for sure, but I think there's certainly a lot of circumstantial evidence that points to the possibility it should, could have should come out we, of should, should Fauci have said, don't let that circulate? It, 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 we know some of that stuff went around. Do not let that. Did, did it look like he had a vested interest in making sure that story didn't come out because of the... Uh, was there gain-of-function research going on? Yeah, I, you know, you get into semantics about what gain-of-function research is. That was. lab was clearly doing gain-of-function research. It was, and, whether, we backed, whether, and the NIH gave we some money that, to that. But whether any of the NIH money went towards that research okay. is unclear. All right. Thank you. Got Thanks covered it all. You, wear a mask when you go out. Uh, yeah. I, I, I ask you, you. So you got one with you. I'll, I don't I'll, have I'll one. I'll give it to you in the break. I'll give you a mask. Thanks. I don't, uh, thanks, but clean. no thanks. Coming, <laughs> I don't care whether clean it's ish. clean. I like dirt. Coming up, Ugh. we're going to talk about three dogs. I told you that. I'm getting a fourth one. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, going home for the holidays, Brian Kelly, the points guy, has all the best flight tips for those of us taking on the wild weather bomb cyclone this week. When the cancellations happen, it is chaos in the airports. Also, going to the airport lounge, those agents are the most experienced at the airline. In the airport lounge, they have alcohol, too, that might come in handy. Welcome back to Squawk Pod, today with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. Here's Joe. An expected winter storm in the Midwest threatening to cause trouble for holiday travel ahead of uh, the Christmas weekend, set to be the coldest in decades. What? Uh, in much of the country, but that's just weather. We know that. It's just weather. You know, in the summer, if it's hot, it means something. Now, joining us uh, now on how best to navigate travel uh, disruptions is Brian Kelly, the Points Guy CEO. Um, at least it's going to turn into rain. Back here, I think, Brian, on the East Coast, but then it's going to get cold and that could freeze. I mean, no matter what, it's going to be messy and it's at the wrong time because people are traveling. Absolutely. Yeah. Friday is supposed to be the busiest travel day for this holiday season. And no matter what, there's going to be mass delays and likely cancellations, because as we all know, our aviation system is hub and spoke. Right. So any plane stuck in Chicago. The next flight will be delayed, canceled, et cetera. So things are unfortunately going to snowball. The best way to do it, but it's not perfect, is it? I mean, for a while, we didn't know if it was going to be hub and spoke. We were flying big jets between cities, but this is the way to do it. But this is the downside. Uh, I mean, what what would you suggest to fix something like this? Yeah, everyone try to try to if you're if you're supposed to travel Friday, look at the forecast, try to leave earlier or later. Even Uh, the airlines are offering waivers so you can change free of charge. If you really want to get home for Christmas, though, I recommend use those frequent flyer miles and book backup reservations. So if you're but you can't be on the same reservation, same airline, same day. Uh, But it's kind of like hedging your bets. Uh, If your flight's canceled, you have a backup option before that one sells out. So. Uh, you got to stay ahead of the game. Everyone right now should check their flight reservations for this weekend or even next week. A lot of times the airlines will change due to schedule. So make sure your reservations are intact. Get the airlines app 
And I also use FlightAware. FlightAware is a free tracking service that actually will alert you if the flight's delayed or canceled, usually before the airline itself will alert its own customers. I mean, I, I'm not going anywhere soon, but I can remember being told you're not going to make it home for whatever. Uh, there's just no way. And it's, it's almost impossible to grasp when, when they tell you that uh, if you can't get booked on another flight. And if it's absolutely canceled, 200 people have, have to try and make provision and not everybody's going to get seated somewhere that it runs out. Um, I, I feel bad already for what, what we're looking at ahead of us. It's going to be maybe rent a car, what, trains, trains planes, planes automobiles, man. Yeah. Remember how hard it was for Steve Martin to, to get home? Also, whenever they cancel your flight, go online, social media. A lot of times the airlines, you can DM them your reservation. So instead of waiting in that long line at the airport to get rebooked, that agent is going to book you on that airline. You know, rebook yourself on your phone. You got to stay ahead of the game uh, because when the cancellations happens, it is chaos in the airports. Also, go into the airport lounge, uh, the airline lounge. Those agents are the most experienced at the airline. In the airport lounge, they have, they have alcohol, too, that, that might, uh, <laughs> might c- come in handy. Pillows uh, are pillows. Mm-hmm. It's just... And, and uh, the, the, the nerves, the anxiety goes up. The, you're on hold. You're, it's just it, time's passing for the flights that you might be able to get on. The whole thing is horrible. I might, you know what? We should just stay, stay home. home certain times. Or I really drive. Th- or, or drive or take a train. Trains are awesome. All right, Brian, uh, thank you. Good, good, good advice. And that's the pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And let us know what you think. Anytime, send us a tweet at Squawk CNBC. And we'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.